Welcome to the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Howard Bubbles, and welcome back to Holy Trinity Sunday for the week of June 7th, 2020. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited to be able to talk about the Trinity, especially with the tensions and all these different things that are going on in our world today. I think it's something that we don't spend enough time actually thinking about, contemplating, partially because it is so difficult to understand that this triune God that we have, God in three parts, in three phases. And I think that hopefully this week we can kind of get a little bit more into and thinking about the Holy Spirit a little bit more. I know I've talked about it a lot recently, but especially with what has all been going on, it's been something that's been weighing on me really heavy And I hope that I can approach this from a bit of a different perspective this time and give a little bit more insight and pulls you with a potential challenge that I've been really contemplating over the last week. So I'm really excited about this week. I'm really excited to dig into this. And a lot of the texts are really short outside of the first reading. But before we jump into that, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was, How have you loved others this week? And I think there's a lot of different answers. We've been seeing our country, in the country I'm from, the United States, do this in various different ways, especially between peaceful protesting with helping us to understand and recognize that all voices of various different people need to be heard and that there's been some that have been marginalized over a period of time, a long period of time, and making sure that those voices are heard and understood, understanding privilege and trying to reconcile and work with in that, that people with more melanin in their skin still have a voice in this country and still have a voice in the world and still have valid things to say. They all are part of the human race. I think it's also been interesting and to contemplate and to consider and think about that we still are in the midst of this pandemic and that some of the ways that we can love others is by wearing a mask. Even as controversial as that is, it seems to be something that the science is backing up. It at least helps with it. We have multiple different ways of still trying to interact and show love in ways that are new and different. Ways such as like still the love of being able to provide worship from people at church somehow being able to get you hopefully some type of either pre-recorded or live worship there's still a love for carrying out this duty this job of pronouncing God's love to others and the love that we have for others and reaching out to them and trying to connect with people that maybe we haven't seen now in a while. I know for me, there's been a lot of ways I've been trying to connect with multiple different people in the congregation that I haven't been able to see physically in a long time. And just thinking about and considering, there's a lot of ways to love. And I think right now, especially in the world in which we're in and coming off of where I went last week too, it's, it's thinking about it and contemplating how do I work within these confines that I'm in right now to be able to bring love to other people? And I think it ties beautifully in with the Trinity because as we see and we'll hear in these, 
the love that God has for us and that he works in three different phases, God the Father, God the Son, or Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, how those three we can see and feel and know the love that God has for us by just looking at and observing how this triune God works. So let's jump right into it. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And again, this is such a short reading, I'll just read it to you. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. A couple different things just to quickly pull out of this text. First, since we are in the Gospel of Matthew, whenever a mountain is brought up, this is a major moment. And these are the last words in Matthew's Gospel. So this is him kind of going through what we can assume in a way, the ascension or Jesus leaving them. Also, the words, but some doubted coming from the end of verse 17, It's kind of an interesting translation. I was listening to a sermon from Pastor Corey Furman this last week talking about this that he had picked up from commentaries that he had read. Doubted is really only used one other time in Matthew's Gospel, which is where you have Peter walking on the water and then starts to doubt, and so he starts to sink. And the people who drew up the NRSV had a hard time saying they worship but doubted. And I would argue, and this was partially from Pastor Corey Furman's sermon, but I would also agree with it, that there is a part of faith that there is doubt and belief at the same time. So there's a weird kind of double negative coming from there. But I think the part we will end up eventually getting into here is coming in from that last verse, and specifically the last line of the last verse. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I think the sermon that I listened to on this, and I'm going to build a little bit more on, so often we use that you as a personal you. And sometimes we need to be looking at that you as a corporate you, as a you as you all. I am with y'all always to the end of the age. And I think there's a point within that that the comforting part of it is great, but it's also a challenging statement to make sure that we are understanding that God is not only with us, but is also with the other, the other people in this world, that God is also with them. And so that we then need to be able to show that love and care just like we would with God, our own Father. The first reading is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 4a. This is the Genesis 1 creation story. So if you've heard the creation story and if you know your Bible, there are two creation stories in there. But this is the fast and dirty version of this. God created the heavens and the earth. You have a formless void and let there be light and darkness the first day. Second day, he separated the waters. So the idea that there was an ocean above us, hence that's how we got rain. So separating essentially 
the land and sky type of idea. That's day two. Day three is when we start having dry land appear, and we also then have oceans appear, and you're having vegetation of all kinds, and that's day three. Day four, we start having light outside of the sun, is what you could interpret, that there's other lights in the dome at night. That's the end of day four. So to start day five, we have birds in the air, we have animals in the water and the sea, and that is the end of day five that God sees that is good. And so on day six, we have all creation. We have all the creatures that are on earth, and that's when we are created, male and female. And I would argue the most controversial verse coming from verse 28 be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Dominion, in this case, more being like a gardener has dominion over a garden that it's tending over. And so that's the end of day six. And after all this, God seeing that every day that the stuff had been good, he rested. And that's where we get the commandment to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Comes from this idea of honoring the seventh day just like God rested on the last day of creation. And then essentially that this was the timeline roughly laying that out. Again, I'm not going to sit here and argue that this is a perfect timeline based on scientific knowledge, but it's again, this gives us a basic idea. And I think the bigger thing here to be able to see is that we get the spirit of God coming in as a wind and making this formless void into something. So this idea that God is moving within and it continues to be more of the artist type of God that we don't normally, we see and we recognize, but at times I think we forget about the artist side of God. The psalm this week is Psalm 8, definitely a praise psalm. It's a psalm that's understanding and showing how and recognizing all the different things that God has done and giving glory and honor to them, understanding it's everything from the lights in the sky to the animals on the ground and the birds and the fish, that he has hand his hand in all these different things. So it's a great psalm to kind of think about and recognize the acknowledgement of what God has done. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. And very similar to the gospel text, this is the last part of what Paul is writing to the people of Corinth for the second time. This is his kind of ending statement. And it reads really kind of interesting, especially with the times that we're in right now. But I'll read it to you. It's only two verses. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This idea that work with one another, continue to be with one another. I would say meeting each other with a holy kiss may be more recognizing the spirit within each person and then realizing that the grace of God is with all of us. The communion of the Holy Spirit and the love that we all have for each other is with all of us and we continue to break that bread together time after time after time. So before I get into how faith and science all come together in this, I have to do my shameless plug for 
Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussion, having four seminary professors on a weekly basis pour into me, since I'm not an ordained minister, I love hearing this stuff. Plus, there's multiple different commentaries from multiple different people and pastors. Plus, then the, all the discussions that are going on there. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, coming from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, I'd highly, highly recommend it. Where to start with the Trinity and how do we get to science? There are so many different ways, and I've compared this in so many different ways before. I've compared it to water, and now we have a liquid form, a steam form, and a frozen form to help us get our head around the idea of a triune God and that we can have forms. But I feel like right now that isn't appropriate. There's so much turmoil and unrest going on. And I said that there was going to be a challenge this week. And here is my setup for that. We talk about having a relationship with God, and we talk about having a relationship with Jesus. I think the relationship we ignore is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. So what's your relationship with the Holy Spirit like? To me, when I think about that and contemplate that, it's not immediately there. But yet when I really work with it, it is. At the same point, but I wouldn't say that I have gotten to the point of fully understanding the Holy Spirit, and I wouldn't say that we have had these amazingly deep conversations, yet there have been definite moments where it has been very deep. It's kind of interesting when we start talking about this, and I know a couple weeks ago I compared the Holy Spirit to a catalyst that helps us lead us to the Father and to the Son, and that's very true. But I think it's also the acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit is a very important part of that and being able to establish that relationship. So I'm going to take you on a weird metaphor. Hear me out on this. Because this led me in a very weird path this week into things that I never thought I would get into. But I think it actually ends up helping this point quite a bit. We're going to look at riding a bicycle. For most of us, it's been something we've probably been doing for years, or if you're not actively writing, you probably have experienced it at some point in your life. And when I look at this from a scientific perspective, there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. We can look at it from purely the mechanical part of bike riding. Okay, We have gear sets, so you have your different gears to help you being able to pedal up hills or go faster on straightaways. And we're going to have tension within the gears and being able to shift them. And through the tension that we have with shifting, being able to release pressure to help our derailleur go up or add tension to help it go down to help shift our chain back and forth. We provide force into our tires by providing our legs pushing and creating torque to be able to turn the tires to push us forward to create momentum and then we have resistance coming back from the road that the tires are on to the wind resistance that we will eventually get as we get up to speed. We can easily get into conversations talking about aerodynamics. We can be talking about counter steering and how that the steering is slightly ahead of actually where the wheel meets the ground. So thus you turn right to turn left slightly before. 
there's so many different ways we can talk about that to get us to start to understand how a bicycle works. And actually, if you want a deep dive, I'll attach some links down below, especially when you're getting into the physics of bike riding. It gets quite interesting because there's still parts we don't fully understand how they all work. So the mechanical part of bike riding is one part of bike riding. It's like God the Father, the creator, the one who's helping all this get going, and yet there's still a lot of mystery and things that we don't understand. There's a second variable, you. You being on your bike, the weight that you have that you're adding to this bicycle, the muscles that you're using to be able to pedal this bike and utilizing four different muscle groups in being able to just pedal the bike between the quad to the calf to the front shin to the hip muscle at different points on the push and pull of the pedal each time that you're pushing down. But in that, remember that there's also your core strength being able to help keep you on the bicycle so that you are staying centered, balanced on the bicycle. That's another part. And again, we can get into the interesting relationship that we have with the mechanical force that we're understanding almost intuitively how me doing this causes this to happen, which then I do this almost instinctually as you continue to build up miles on that bicycle. But if I explained bicycling just in those two ways... I don't know if a lot of people would ride a bike. And I don't think any of you would say that that really tells the whole story of riding a bike. See, the part that I haven't touched on is the five senses of us using a bicycle. And to me, the five senses are the Holy Spirit in riding a bicycle. You know, we have to be able to have the sight to be able to see forward, to be able to see hazards coming at us and being able to make sure that we are telling our muscles to be able to steer this bicycle around them. We have the hearing not only to be able to hear different sounds like cars and other bicyclists and walkers and runners coming up but also being able to hear the sounds of the air rushing by us to the birds and the trees. Smell, being able to smell the aromas around us. One of the things I've been really enjoying right now as I've been biking into work is the lilacs blooming and being able to smell that aroma as I bike through. Taste, the taste of my mouth as that air is rushing in and getting cotton mouth and knowing that I need to get a drink of water, that my body is sweating and that gets into touch, but knowing that I need to make sure that I drink water to hydrate myself. And arguably the most important part of the whole thing is touch. The touch of me on the bicycle and being able to feel that. The touch of feeling on the pedals that I need to shift because I'm pumping harder than the gears are able to keep up with. That I need to shift gears to be able to produce the power to continue to move forward. But in all this, and why to me this fits so well with the Holy Spirit, is that we have to be observant of things going on around us. Hence the five senses. We have to be aware and looking and sensing. 
And the thing that's really amazing to me is technically I use all of those when I am driving a car, but when I'm driving a car, I can also customize a lot of these. I can customize the feel because I can make the, either the car warmer or colder. I can customize the hearing. Yes, I'm going to still hear the honking and maybe some of the road noise, but I can also tune into what I want to hear on the radio. I have the sight that, yes, I'm looking ahead and making sure that I am staying in my lane and avoiding obstacles, but how many of us will admit to there's times where we hit autopilot while driving? And yet then the sense of smell and the sense of taste aren't really quite as active when I'm driving my vehicle. I've surrounded myself and cut myself off from the outside world as much as I want to. I've essentially made this beautiful little Tyler ecosystem for a moment. When I am doing that, I'm losing touch with the outside world. See, when I'm riding a bicycle, I don't have that option. I can feel the difference between the sun shining on me in June in Minnesota versus the sun shining on me when it's 20 below and it's windy and the nip of the air hitting my skin. I can sense that spring is coming with hearing the birds more and more as I commute in. I can smell the flowers happening around me. I can tell when a storm is coming as the temperature drops because I can't control that. I am now more in touch, more being a true scientist and observing, but also being more in touch with my creator through doing that. Yes, the car and automobiles are absolutely amazing works to be able to craft that. And it's not like a bicycle isn't an amazing craftsman item itself. But when I'm on a bicycle, I am more likely to admire the creation of other things around me through observation than things that I miss in my car. And if I'm going to be a good scientist, I'm going to try to make sure that I'm observing as much as I possibly can to be able to critique myself to the different things that maybe I didn't account for, variables that were outside of my control. Right now, within the world in which we're in, as we're reading these texts and hearing them right now in 2020, in June of 2020, we're hearing them in the words and the context of people needing to be heard. And part of it for me, as I'm listening and trying to contemplate that and think about that within science, I think about if I'm putting myself in a car and driving... I'm in ways not being a good scientist because I'm not observing and sensing and feeling things around me. I'm creating my own little world. When I'm on my bicycle, I don't have that option. My little world is so narrow it doesn't even contain my whole body. My frame is so narrow, the balancing point is so narrow, I have to continue and I have to continue to be observant of other people as I'm dodging around. I have to be aware. And it's through that awareness that I can also notice things that I wouldn't have noticed if I drove by. Being able to see birds on the lake. Being able to notice how actually beautiful it is out today. And really sensing that. Right now in the world in which we're in, we're hearing and talking a lot about privilege. We're talking a lot about making sure other voices are heard 
And I would argue this is maybe our wake-up call to understand like a scientist realizing that I've overlooked a variable that we need to make sure that we're aware. Are we putting ourselves in positions where we're not hearing? Are we putting ourselves in positions where we're not being observant? Because if that's the case, we're missing part of our triune God. The Holy Spirit to me is a creator. The Holy Spirit helps me understand not only the artistic ability of God, but continues to stir and help us see the beauty of God around us. And yes, there are still times that I'm going to take an automobile because I need to get there faster. But I also realize that when I do that, I'm limiting my capacity to be able to see the outside world, to experience the creation. When I'm walking or biking, I'm much closer to it because it's directly affecting what I am doing. And as a scientist, that's one of the things that I have to do. I have to slow down and observe the different things that are going on to be able to understand more of what I'm actually looking at. When I am remembering that I am with you always to the end of the age, You is not just me. Me, as in Tyler speaking, you is also you on the other end of this microphone. The other end of these speakers that you're hearing this on, it also applies to you. And it applies to the person down the street. And it applies to the person across the world. It applies to the people in the International Space Station. It applies to all of them. And that means that then I have to recognize that. And for me, when I'm on a bicycle, and when I'm taking in all these different things that I'm automatically quickly doing, I'm also able to better understand and acknowledge that there's more people who are also experiencing this. As I'm not just putting myself into this world and putting myself in my opinion, at that moment, as a better scientist, to be observant of what is going on around me. Right now, we are in a very weird place within our world. And the thing that I keep reflecting on is this is the greatest opportunity that we have ever had as a global community. The greatest opportunity ever comes right now in 2020 as a world to be able to come together. And through by doing that, there are going to be rough patches. There are going to be things that we're going to observe that are going to be hard, difficult, and things that are going to be hard to look at and think about and consider. But if we work through them, we'll be able to be better connected with each other, better understanding with each other, better love one another, and who knows what we could do. Because at that moment, we are then realizing that God is with all of us and that God is with all of us. That is the power of what we can potentially have happen in 2020. My Twitter question that I have for you this week is reflecting on yourself. Where have you been not as observant as you should have been? And where is a place that you have been observant when you notice that others haven't been? If we are going to understand this triune God, in my opinion, we have to be observant. We have to be able to recognize and see 
the three different phases of God and have relationships with all of them. And if we're rushing through, I think we have a hard time and we're cutting off the ability of what the Holy Spirit can do. If we're rushing through our relationships with people, we miss the Holy Spirit within them. If we're rushing through on vacation, it doesn't feel relaxing because we miss the beauty of what we went to see. 2020 is a time of opportunity. This text challenges us to see that opportunity, to embrace that possibility, knowing that it will be difficult. But that's part of faith. Nowhere in this book does it say that faith is easy. To the fact of when we watch Jesus die, we realize it wasn't even easy for him. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit is not an easy task. It's a task that we continue to work on our whole life through, just like building a relationship with God and with Christ. But I'd argue that it's the one that really helps steer the ship. It's the one that really makes the bike work because without you on the bike, the bike can go down a hill by itself, but it really isn't going anywhere else. And without you on the bike, you're, you're moving, but only so quickly. And when we have those two together with the Holy Spirit giving us the senses of what's going on, being able to see what's ahead, and being able to make adjustments as we go, that's when we see the power of what God can do in our lives. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.